Hi, my name is Justin, and I am an addict. And thanks to my God, the steps, and the fellowship of other addicts, I am sober one day at a time since June 19th, 2015. And for that, I am beyond grateful. Welcome to the RICO 12 Speaker Meeting. We are an organization whose addictions include alcohol, drugs, lust, and sex, food, and gambling, just to name a few. We come together from all places, faiths, and backgrounds to learn the similarities of addiction and to gain tools and hope from others who are walking a similar path. We invite recovering addicts with at least one year sobriety who are actively working their recovery in their respective fellowships to share their experience, strength, and hope on a live Zoom webinar each Friday at noon central time for 20 to 25 minutes. Then we, the live audience, get the opportunity to ask questions of the speaker for another 20 to 25 minutes. If you are hearing this meeting in recorded podcast form and would like to participate as a live audience member in the future, please go to www.reco12, that's R-E-C-O, 12.com to learn more and submit your email address there to receive weekly invitations. RICO 12 is a self-supporting service, and we appreciate your help in keeping us working our 12th step in this manner. We gratefully accept contributions to help cover the cost of the Zoom platform, podcast platform, web hosting, and administrative costs. To contribute, you can go to rico12.com forward slash support, or you can click the PayPal link in the chat of the live meeting that will be up or in the show notes of the meeting if you're listening in podcast format. When you contribute, please specify the meeting number. This is meeting number 61. Um, last week's meeting will have been with T.O. T's topic will, be, will have been how I got the life I never knew I was missing. Um, this week we are recording a few, well, we're recording on July 19th for this one that will be released in podcast format on August 6th. And I'm very grateful for Laurie for her willingness to work with me as, as my travel schedule this summer is really crazy, but uh, we're going to get this done. All right. One more word about our speakers before we introduce Laurie. Laurie, I'll, I'll edit that here. Before we introduce Lori, when we line up a speaker for a meeting, we ask them to seek guidance on what and how to present so that they can reflect the light that has been given them. That light will inspire hope, meaning, worth, and growth in us, the, live, the listening audience. Now, let's introduce our guest speaker for today, Lori D., whose topic will be, The Spiritual Life is Not a Theory. So here's a little bit about her that she shared with me. She is grateful to say that when it comes to addiction, she pretty much has them all, with few exceptions. She initially got sober in AA in New York City, September 29th, 2001, about two weeks after the 9-11 attacks. AA in downtown New York City was a vibrant scene, and she was most grateful to have been given a second chance at life. Shortly thereafter, it became clear that she had more problems than just alcohol, and in 2002 entered Al-Anon on her knees, as she was deeply entrenched in an addiction and obsession with a heroin addict she met in AA. From there, she would enter Overeaters Anonymous, Debtors Anonymous, Adult Children of Alcoholics Anonymous, and Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. She has learned that there is no finish line in recovery. She has come to know that um, her various addictive experiences can benefit others. When she makes helping others her primary purpose, miracles happen. She is forever indebted to a loving higher power and for her, uh, for her life and her recovery. Take it away, Lori. The floor is yours. Thanks, Justin. Hi, everyone. My name's Lori. I'm an alcoholic and an addict. And... Um, 
wow, just, uh, <laughs> I don't know, I was, I was really struck when I heard the opening. I know I emailed it to you, but um, yeah, just such, such gratitude for where my higher power has taken me with this recovery. And I just want to take a moment to invite my higher power that I call God um, into this because I, I can't do anything without God. (laughs) So I, uh, I hope I say something that's helpful and yeah, kind of, as mentioned, uh, my story is one of a cross addicted addict. Um, I've come to understand that I have a spiritual malady uh, I know that because I've tried just about everything else to solve my multiple addictions and uh, nothing worked. And, you know, first and foremost, and I, I guess I, I can even say well before I picked up a drink, I had the obsession and the compulsion. I had an obsessive mind. I actually had obsessive compulsive disorder, which started happening when I was around 10 years old and it revolved, I mean, there was a lot of rituals and things that I had to do, but one of them um, was praying and I had to pray. There were all these little rituals that I had to do, but I would have to pray the rosary perfectly. And if I didn't do it perfect, I'd have to start all over again. And it, it would just be a lot of mental agony. And that, that was, you know, so from a very young age, I, I knew I knew there was something different about my mind and, you know, gratefully not, you know, that was, that was somewhat lifted. However, I found alcohol a couple of years after that. And that, that is my primary addiction. I, um, that my alcoholism almost took my life. I was 25 years old and I had, uh, already, I mean, lost everything, you know, my health, I was in and out of emergency rooms and, and really, it really came close to a very bitter end. And I, uh, you know, when, you know, actually this month marks the 20 years that I went into my first rehab and I ended up, you know, it was nice to have a break from the world and from alcohol, but I, I kind of knew I was no match for my addiction. And the minute I was let out, sure enough, I picked up again. And, you know, as, as was said, I, um, got sober. I, I got out of the rehab. 9-11 happened. I had had some time. I had some days and then I picked up anyway, another demoralizing bottom and I found Alcoholics Anonymous. And at that point I was as open and willing as the dying could be. I, I found um, a sponsor who was more of a temporary sponsor. And eventually um I found a home group in New York City called Living Now, and um, that home group utterly changed my life. I found my um, original AA sponsor, who was just one of my soulmates, and we're still very connected today. Um, I That meeting really taught me to have a healthy respect for my alcoholism, and that, you know, I have a disease that wants me dead. And I have a disease that'll tell me I don't have a disease and that, 
um, you know, I have to go to, and I have to be willing to go to any lengths to recover. And that no matter what is happening in my life, no matter what, I have to keep it separate from my sobriety. So my life is in one hand, my sobriety is in the other, and I have to keep it separate. And I, I was, I was grateful for the guidance that I had. I said yes to whatever my sponsor being a good codependent. <laughs> I, I just wanted to like, please her. I really, I was kind of afraid of her. And you know, I, for me, that's helpful. My, my disease is a vicious, vicious beast and any kind of like niceness or, uh, uh, bearing is a word I've recently learned from my spiritual gangster friends. Um, that wouldn't work for me. That would, that would not work for me. And, um, and I'm grateful that that's not what I got. So, um, so yeah, so I got sober, I got involved and then, yeah, very shortly after, you know, I realized I learned the hard way. I had more problems than just alcohol. I started, uh, dating, you know, I was like 25 years old. So most of the relationships I had were with people in recovery since my whole life was surrounded by recovery. And, um, I got involved with a heroin addict and, um, my sponsor was like, you're obsessed with this person. And it's all you do is talk about them. And I can't deal with it. Go to Al-Anon. And I went to Al-Anon, you know, on my knees. Uh, they didn't, I mean, I don't know if there was there, I'm sure there was SLAA back then. I don't think it was like a big group I don't think it was what it is now, um, at least to my knowledge, but um, I kept coming back and that program really showed me that, you know, I mean, I, I'm powerless over my own disease, let alone someone else's addiction. <laughs> and that that level of insanity to think that I could actually control or manage someone else's addiction is wild to me now looking back. Um, it, that is a hopeless case. And what I also know now is to the extent that I'm focused on what somebody else is doing, or if somebody's something, somebody else does bothers me, <laughs> I have to look in the mirror right away. And, and, and a lot of it, you know, there's, you know, there's been some heartbreak along the way. I, I've dated multiple addicts and I've had to walk, I had to accept the things I cannot change. And, come to the, you know, realization that I have to change, sometimes changing the things I can means I have to walk away from somebody I love and allow them the dignity of a bottom and, uh, and their own experience with a higher power because I'm not it. And it's a delusion that I, you know, and interesting how I can often forget that. <laughs> so, um, so Al-Anon has also been a, a really instrumental part of my life shortly after that, you know, issues around food, a lot of mental obsession about my body image, food in general. Uh, I came into OA binging my face off, eating food out of the garbage that I just threw away 10 minutes ago, restricting, starving, over-exercising, you name it. Um, again, I, I have to have very loud experiences <laughs> to get my attention. None of my, you know, I'm very grateful for the bottoms I have now because that I've had because there it's life is trying to get my attention and I, I needed help with that. And, you know, even well-meaning people in AA were like, Oh, that'll straighten out in a couple of years. And that was not the case. It was a progressive thing for me. It kept getting worse. Um, 
I uh, worked that program diligently for years, turned my food over for a number of years. Um, and, you know, it's been, uh, I'm in a very, I have a lot more freedom than I ever had around, around that, those issues. And yet they never go away. I still, I still will always have them and I, I will always need a higher power. And, and I don't do any of that, particularly food. I don't do it perfectly. Um, uh, shortly after that, um, it was revealed that my higher power, I needed help around money. I, I was struggling with that too. Anything to get a hit. I was uh, compulsive spending. I was, you know, obsessed with uh, appearances. I'm, I'm in an industry that kind of supports that, but it was also um, my, my life was becoming unmanageable yet again. And I, again, I have that loving sponsor. She was like, can't help you there. Go to DA. <laughs> and went to DA, got very involved in DA and um, also a very, it's very spiritual program. You know, God truly is in the numbers and um, working the steps around those issues. It was, it was incredible. The amount of uh, cry. I mean, I've never cried more in my life. It touched on such issues of worth and value and um, you know, and then like, doing my numbers, you know, there was, I, I had such an incredible fear of financial insecurity. I was always afraid I was going to end up in the street, uh, real distortion around that. Um, uh, afraid to open the mailbox, not knowing how much I cost, just vague, you know, what's, what's coming in, what's going out, how much do I earn? I didn't know any of it. And it's, it's a program that taught me to be self-supporting through my own contributions, you know, you know, I'm not borrowing, I'm not dependent on anybody today. And, um, you know, I found ACOA is another program. You know, there are points in, in recovery where I felt overwhelmed, like, why is God punishing me? Why do I have so many problems? <laughs> but I, I, I am truly blessed to, to have been, had these struggles because I have a very unique way of helping many different kinds of addicts. And I, I, that is such an incredible gift. And I have such a vast network of support and people and sponsee. Like I have a lot of people in my life because of that. Um, I did, you know, there was a point actually, you know, to me, it's like, it's, it's been like an, uh, removing layers of the onion. I've, I've had, um, a lot of like a lot of buried trauma. I think a lot of us come in here, you know, with that. And that was revealed in a fourth step that I had done in DA, which then led me to ACOA. And I was looking at the, you know, just identifying the the laundry list traits. And there's, you know, there's a lot of like inner child stuff with that program. And I, I had to, you know, I, that was helpful for a while. I think, um, I know for myself, I have to watch self-pity and I started to feel like I was hearing a lot of that and there just wasn't a ton of solution. And again, I'm not, I'm not the type of addict who can afford self-pity for too long. And um, I did work that program, um, you know, with fellow, I liked the idea of the fellow travelers doing sponsor, you know, doing, um, steps within a group of people. 
Um, lastly, this, you know, my, the current program about five years ago, I, you know, recovery, like I, I had hit, I was on my fifth, I think it was, I had 15 years sober and I, I had this, you know, I had had a big breakup in my life. I ended up having this very dormant cause I, I had not really struggled with a lot of issues, um, around relation relationships because I was in a relationship. So I thought that like I was fixed. I'm like, Oh, I'm capable now. I, I know how to do relationships and, and it was a healthier relationship, but um, nothing like a relationship to <laughs> reveal a lot of wounding. And there was something about that particular breakup that when I had 15 years sober, I was, ex- I was having suicidal ideation. I was very terrified by this. And so I say that because I say that to somebody who has, you know, maybe not a lot of time or like I did a lot of years. And I, I had a, I, I was really judging myself. Like, why am I, why am I here? How did, how did this happen? And it, it became like a crisis of faith too, where I was mad at my higher power. Cause I'm like, how could after all the work I did, how could you lead me to this after everything? And I, I was in a dark place. And I, I do think that, that that's a part of recovery too, and that we just have to stay vigilant and stay involved and, you know, and not, not leave. And I, you know, I had a lot of days on my couch where I just, I couldn't motivate myself. And a lot of the things that I was doing in the past weren't working. And, um, and I didn't really know why. So I, but I, but I knew, again, I had to just hold on to my recovery seat. Like I just have to keep showing up and keep working with others. And I, I was eventually, I, I was eventually led to SLAA. I had, this was the one, the only program I had resistance to was SLAA because, and, and funny, turned out to be the one I probably needed the most, maybe aside from AA, of course. Uh, I, um, I, I was married to a sex addict and I, it was a very abusive situation. And I, <laughs> you know, being a good Al-Anon, of course, was like, he's the sex addict. Like, I don't need SLAA. Like, that's crazy. That's the one program I know I don't need. And I've, I've experienced such a healing there. And I, it was, it was so much more than I could have ever like bargained for. And I, I, I took the suggestions I did like, you know, I did the suggestions of that particular program and I went into a true withdrawal and it was, it was a very powerful, very painful experience. And um, to kind of speed that up, you know, I had hit like a plateau in that program and I was, you know, and then the, the pandemic happened, there were, I had felt, you know, all the meetings had gone online. I had felt that I was like, wow, there, I don't hear any recovery here. And I was starting to slip into this place of self-pity again, as well as things in my life not going the way I wanted in that department. 
Um, and I felt like I, again, I felt like I'd put all this effort and, you know, where's the evidence and where is God? And I was falling into that dangerous place of self-pity. And, you know, I had a friend, a guy, friend of mine who I know very well. And he, he told me about this Toronto based group, which I feel like I could even cry just talking about it because the, what I heard on these meetings and this, these were the spiritual gangster meetings was so much. Oh my God. It just shook me out of my sleep. I was like spiritually asleep and you know, for a little, thank God, not for, not for too long, because I, 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 I try to never really, I know I can't afford to go far away from this recovery, but the, I went on the zoom and I saw Nikki, who I know who has been on this meeting and I just saw her energy and her life and, um, kind of yelling into the screen (laughs) and it just like, it, I don't know what it was. I, I, it snapped me out of it. And I had been praying for a miracle. And I, I was really was praying to God to like, show me some people who were doing this better than me, because I can't be it. I, I was in meetings where I had the most recovery prior. And I felt like I was having feelings of like wanting to die. And I was like, if I'm the best, if I'm doing the best in this room, this ain't good. <laughs> and Nikki, I, I was just, I was very drawn by that energy and also that, that strength. Cause again, I'm the type of addict. I, I need it. I need to hear it straight. I, I, I don't, I, I need a straight message like that. And it whipped me into shape. I got a, a beautiful sponsor in that program who's been such a blessing for me. And, you know, um, I, it's been a really beautiful experience to, to witness an altruistic movement on Zoom the way that I see it happening here where service is at the very forefront. It's, it's the primary, you know, it's, it's what the original big book primary purpose is to help another. And uh, I had never like fully gotten away from that, but I, I was a little like, slacking. Some of my sponsees were like friends that I've had for years. We weren't really like doing anything. And this work, you know, is ongoing. Like there is no coasting in recovery. That That is my experience. There is no coasting. And also I'll just say like, um, you know, the focus and the emphasis on the big book, the big book is the original cure, you know, the build, like the found, the foundational, like cure for alcoholism for addiction is that work through um the big book and i've done this you know because i've been in so many other programs i've done the steps in several different ways but it's always it's i i always come back to this as the thing that helps me because a lot of a lot of like the workbooks and step books i've done it just it's more self-knowledge and i don't need more self-knowledge i need a psychic change i need a spiritual experience I, um, you know, so it's just, it's been great to go back to this book and to meet people who know that book. Like I thought I knew that book (laughs) and, you know, they, they can talk about that book in such a beautiful, eloquent way that I can, that I'm really able to, to hear. And, um, and I think like, I, I can, I can also say too, like 
having these moments of like, especially when you're around for a while, thinking you know it all already. And, you know, I, I look back and I've had that in a lot of different phases where I'm like, oh, I got this. Like, I get it. And it's one thing to like understand a message when I hear it. And it's another thing to really full have this be an embodied, integrated experience that I'm able to carry out into all my affairs. And um, this this program and, you know, I think and Cameron, I know, has also been on your podcast and I I love this workbook and I love that fits column and to me that has been revolutionary you know who am I being how do how do I amend these you know liabilities that I discover in the in the in the columns and in, in my fourth step columns and you know how you know how can I um how can I show up in faith you know as, as my God would have me do. So I'm truly blessed. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll never be able to repay the, the life that my higher power has given me. And I mean, it's an app, you know, if you had <laughs> seen me before, I, I found Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, yeah, the age of miracles is among us. And, and for sure, if an addict of my type could get sober, anybody can. And yeah, and there's hope. And even if, if you're, if you're struggling with multiple addictions and feel overwhelmed by that, like trust that, like the, the higher power has you, like there is more than enough help and light and recovery within that for you and healing within that for you. So thank you so much. Lori, I loved one of the closing, well, I loved a lot of what you did there, but one of the closing phrases you said, the age of miracles is among us right now. What a beautiful thing. And, 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 and I get the, well, all of us here get the opportunity to witness that in the lives of those that we serve with and work with in these rooms of recovery. And if anybody tells me that uh, miracles are a thing of the past or a myth or whatever, I, I just have way too many proofs that show that that is not the case and thank you for sharing that and bringing that phrase to my to my attention that's something i am going to paste right here on my wall in front of me good stuff thank you all right laurie so before we get moving forward into the q a portion of this i just want to remind our live audience to ask any questions of Lori, please type them in the Q&A link at the bottom of your Zoom window. They look It looks like two speech bubbles over the top of each other. Um, I, I have written down several questions here that I will be asking um, more or less uh, as, as other questions come in. But I'd like to start off here, Lori, with a, a question that, uh, just, that, that just jumped out at me. You talked when you were talking about your experience in ACOA, you talked about self-pity. Um, and I, I want to ask you a question about that. Self-pity versus self-awareness or honesty. What's the difference and how do you acknowledge um, trauma, we'll say trauma, without dwelling on self-pity? What's the one way that you do that? That's a really good question. Um, I... I think for me, I think first, I think first I had my experience in that program was first I had to face the trauma and there, yeah, there's a very real and um, valid 
time to um, feel that, to feel the feelings of that. I think it's more, it's more when I start to drift into some kind of morbid reflection and I, and I, I get stuck. Like that, that's when I know I have to shift something because that, that does not serve me. And that's, and I don't think that that's what's intended either. And I, and I don't think that's what the program intends. I just, that was also just something, and maybe it was just a couple of the meetings I was attending. I was just hearing a lot of focus on like being, like being a victim <laughs> and not, you know, which in a, in a very real way, that is true. Like, I think those who find themselves in that program have suffered terrible tragedy and victimization. I, I know that, you know, any, like growing up in an alcoholic home, I, I think that's, I don't think you can evade that. Um, I just don't, I don't think for myself that it's not helpful to stay there. Thank you for sharing that. I, I, I also agree with that. Staying, feeling those feelings is important. Getting out of being a victim is vital, in my opinion. All right, a question from Nicholas. What did your psychic change or or spiritual experience look like? And then a follow-up to that, how do you maintain that psychic change? Um, okay, so I my first experience with that was that bottom that I had after um, when I had relapsed after 9-11. And there, there was a point, there was a turn in my thinking where I, unlike any time before, prior to that, where I was willing to completely abandon myself to the direction, like good orderly direction. I, I was willing to do anything. And I think at that point it just happened. I mean, it wasn't anything I did. I think it was just the willingness was the key and that opened a door, which shifted my thought life around, you know, I did, I had, I no longer had reservations about trying about like being able to manage that that addiction anymore and therefore i just um so yeah so i think it was, it's just about being open and willing and then the change kind of happens you know without effort on any on, on my part I, I think it's more of an experience of grace that you know is available to all of us yeah thank you thank you Lori. a little bit of a follow-up to that with um you, the psychic change, the the connection with the higher power there. How has your perception of your higher power changed from the beginning of your recovery until now? What are some things that have evolved or changed in your perception of your higher power? Yeah, so I will. I would definitely say um, initially, and I think a lot of people have this, and I, you know, I had a a nice Catholic upbringing, <laughs> so I had a lot of ideas about a punishing higher power. And, and it was even kind of wrapped up into that earlier, you know, even that OCD I had as a kid. Um, I just thought I had to do everything right. I, I thought, um, I thought I was bad. I thought I was going to be punished. I thought I, my thoughts were wrong. I thought like, I, it was a very punitive higher power. And I've come to experience um, 
you know, the, the opposite. I have a very loving, compassionate higher power. I think the more I've allowed that power into all these other areas, that's why, that's why cross addiction is such a gift because the more I can allow God, as I call it in, into more and more areas, the more like, yeah, the, the more expansive my experience of that power is, especially as my, my life, you know, starts to shift in, in very radical ways, you know, the more I'm able to surrender each new thing over to it, the more I include a higher power into every area of my life. Yeah. The more, the bigger that power gets. So, yeah. Thank you, Lori. I appreciate it. Um, question from an uh, anonymous member of the audience how do you create and become connected with your higher power and how do you feel it for real? How do you know that it's at least for you real? Well, I, I think, how do I know it's real? I think because again, I think because my, my bottom was so severe, there was just no denying that, you know, one day I was like a step away from death and, two weeks later, I'm a free person and I'm not even thinking about alcohol. I mean, I know that that's not everybody's experience. It, that was very radical for me. I was so unbelievably driven by that addiction I, and to have it be completely removed as it was to me that that made that part, um, at least as it related to my alcoholism, undeniable. I've certainly struggled <laughs> with faith when it, as it relates to other areas of my life. And I think, you know, I, I think met prayer and meditation, you know, is, has been vital. I think just trying to focus even cause like I, my thoughts can spin out. Like that's when I know I'm not connected <laughs> to our power when I'm in like full obsessive thinking and, you know, I'm, I'm literally spinning out. I, if I could even find like three moments where I could focus on my breath and like feel experience some stillness or be in nature. Like sometimes I have to try all different kinds of things to feel that power. Um, so I kind of like try, I, I'll do a lot of different things, you know, cause some days I can't sit at all. Like I can't sit in meditation at all. If that's the case, I'll go experience a sunset or, Something like that. So I hope that answers kind of the question. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And I, I want to follow up on that. You mentioned that you, to connect, you have to do many different things. Um, do you find yourself in patterns where it works for a week or a month or a year and then you got to change it up or is it just random for you? How do you um, do your step 11 and that conscious contact with God? Yeah, no, I've had... Um, yeah, I mean, I had years where that was much easier than it's even been in the last five years. And I think what can sometimes happen, you know, as an addict, I know a big feature of addiction is that I'm self-centered to the extreme. So sometimes I'll sit there in meditation. I'm just going to start obsessing about myself, <laughs> my problems, myself, what I'm doing in an hour, you know, what happened yesterday. So sometimes, and you know, and this, this is also mentioned in the a big book, when all else fails, help another. And sometimes 
for me, how I connect to a higher power is when I completely get out of myself and I see how somebody else is doing and where I could be helpful and useful to them. Because sometimes, and a lot of, especially these last five years, which have been harder in my recovery for me, um, that help and focus on another has been um, invaluable. I mean, that sometimes is the only thing that helps. And that's where I could feel it's in helping somebody else that I sometimes hear what I need to hear. And I can't think that for myself, but that can come through when I'm, when I'm considering somebody else and my attention isn't just on me. And so, so I find this really interesting and I think it'll be helpful. I hope it will be helpful to many. I mean, you've been actively working steps in recovery for nearly 20 years now, correct? Yeah, nearly. Yeah. And you just said that the last five years have been pretty difficult. Um, for somebody who is either just coming into the program, maybe has a year or two, a few months of working recovery, maybe sobriety, how, how are you able to share that, uh, your experience, strength and hope, the hope in there in some of the difficulties that you're experiencing 15 plus years into working recovery? Sure. Well, I think, I think what I, yeah, it's a good question because I think I had a fantasy that as soon as I got sober, life was just going to be perfect. I wasn't going to have any other problems. I wasn't, you know, I was going to, you know, everything was going to work out financially and romantically. And, you know, I was going to be perfect. (laughs) I think perfect perfectionism was always something I, you know, I have that kind of mind. So, um, nothing, nothing that I've ever been through my worst bottoms in recovery have produced the most gold. I I guess that's what I would say from that. I have new levels of peace that I I didn't even know that were possible. And, you know, in the midst and like recovery is a process. So even though I've had a lot of dark spots, I, I don't think any, I think we all go through that. Like life keeps on lifing as they say, <laughs> you know, I, I, um, I have all this sober reference, you know, that it's all, that it's all okay. That, you know, and, and also like the, the, con- it's also a way for me to continue developing my step three, like my, my trust in a higher power that a higher power has my back, you know, is there for me no matter what, and will always be there for me. And I, you know, I may forget that sometimes, but, um, but I do. And like, also just like, I think working with, again, working with newcomers, you really see how far you've come. So even when you feel like shit and you think your life is a mess, you, you can help somebody else and you're, and then you, then you realize like what a miracle you are. (laughs) And you realize what God has done in your life because, you know, I, even when I was newly in recovery, my, my life had turned, you know, everything got better when I stopped, you know, dumping poison into my body, like things, you know, so it's just, it's also like my standards are higher. You know, I, 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 I have an abundant life and I have been you know, life continues to get bigger, no matter how, um, how much I struggle. 
And so I kind of, I guess I also see that as well, that like, you know, things can, you know, think, yeah, like all, if anything, like my bottoms have been the best thing that ever happened to me because they're, they're always healing something new in me. I'll just say this too. This has been a very important, and I didn't mention it before, but like something that came through my SLAA recent step work is this forgiveness around my, my past, like my, my family of origin that I blamed for, you know, everything, (laughs) being an addict, having trouble in relationships, my issue, all my issues. And it's like, to, to come to a place of freedom from, you know, my past like that, I think um, is also just another tremendous gift of recovery. Very good. Thank you so much. So, and, and I think you talked about all of your different bottoms being mines for, you know, experience for additional gold, gold mines, basically. Um, and you are and have been part of many different um, fellowships. Um and experienced bottoms in many different addictions. How have, how are, what are the similarities between those fellowships and addictions and what are maybe some of the differences in how uh, you experiences experience those? Well, I think a lot of, I mean, well, the, certainly what they all have in common is that they're all part of a spiritual malady and that, you know, it's also, and a lot of them, at least for me, like we're also obsession was like a huge feature. So, you know, the problem centers in my mind. It has a lot to do with my thinking. I happen to be a very allergic person, like the body allergy that the big book talks about. That's why I've had a lot of different issues around food, caffeine, uh, sugar. Um, I'm, I'm, that, I'm that allergic type that the big book talks about. Um, and then I also had that when it came to shopping, like I, I was a compulsive spender, I would go on vendors. So like, it was easy, it kind of was easy for me to see like, oh, here we are again, it's the same thing, I'm driven by a compulsion, I can't control it. You know, I'm, I'm obsessed and like, I'm powerless. I'm like, and, you know, I guess that's like the one, I, I guess that's what made each like new addiction new to my awareness addiction easier was that I was like, Oh, I've been here before. Oh, this again, this is just it again, just in another way. And, um, and then how great that I get to avail myself of new people who might have a personal experience with that addiction that I can then later help somebody else with. No. So I really like that. And one of the phrases you said, Oh, here I am again. And then you said, I get the opportunity now because I'm at this, you know, in this obsession, this compulsion place of uh, uh, having to act out and whatever this is, but I get the opportunity to meet others who have been here and done this and, and can help me so that I can help others. How, I mean, when you get there to that place of, well, here I am again, of powerlessness, do you struggle with feeling hopeless at that point or is it more powerless and let's seek the solution here. I think, I think I had always felt 
hope the the one time where I think I really struggled was was around like this five years ago mark with uh, the SLAA stuff. I, I think that you know, I think these are issues that I probably had all along, and I have a loving higher power who doesn't reveal anything before I'm able to handle it. I think I, I needed 15 years to be able to face some of the stuff that had contributed to my SLAA addiction. And that there was a lot of trauma. There was a lot of stuff that happened in my past. Uh, you know, and I, I, I don't, honestly, I don't think I had the foundation to be able to, to withstand it. And so knowing that my higher power never gives me anything I can't handle. Um, yeah. I like, on the one hand, there was, there was a part of me that the wise part of me knows that, but the other part of me that's tired <laughs> and just wants that shit to be better by now. And I, you know, that, that, that was like the little spiritual tug of war I was having. That was like my crisis of faith where I was just like, what the hell God? Like, and I thought too, because I had a lot of self-awareness, I had a lot of self-knowledge. I'd spent thousands in therapy, you know, and if you're familiar with Cameron's workbook, it talks about the logs. I had done everything, love addiction treatment centers, codependency, the Karen Foundation, codependency treatment center. I knew everything about every attachment disorder. Like I knew every, I've read every book. I, I knew as much as one could ever hope to know, and I could talk about it eloquently, but again, talking about it and understanding something is not the same as having a lived experience and I was really struggling with a crisis of faith because I that that was the one experience where I was mixing the two up. I thought self-knowledge did avail me something and it didn't because I had not really given that area of my life over to a higher power yet because I was afraid. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready until I was ready. And then I was ready. And um, yeah, so... Hopefully that answers. Did that answer the question? <laughs> I, I, I love that journey you took into that, to the self-knowledge and that it ended up not availing you anything. No, it doesn't say that it's not worth learning, but I can't rely on that. Thank you for sharing that. All right. We got another question that came in from Lily. She says, and I'll, I'll preface this with the closing phrase. I have a hard time with the human connection overriding the God connection, despite consistent spiritual actions. Now here's the question. How do you balance the security and emotional intimacy of a healthy romantic relationship with a conscious contact with God? It's a good, it's a good question. Could you, could you repeat that one more time? The question Yep. The question, how do you balance the security and emotional intimacy of a healthy romantic relationship with a conscious contact with God? Okay. So, well, if, I mean, to be honest, so I entered SLAA and I've been sober dating. So I haven't had an actual relationship because I've been trying to go on dates while, you know, doing just that, like trying invite, because this was an area where that's what I, I guess that's what I discovered. I really did not have a higher power. Like when I would go out and interact with men, I was doing it my way. I, I was, I was looking at the flags and sweeping them under the rug. I, I did not want higher power involved. And like, that was hard to admit as somebody who thought 
they were so spiritual. Um, I, um, that has been the work in SLAA for me is to go on a sober date without it turning into anything physical and being with the quiet and the discomfort of, of being in a sober, like situation, sitting across from another human being, not an object, not a sexual object, just another human being and feeling the feelings that come up around that and, and, you know, and going home. So in my, in my experience, it's, you know, it's been a couple of years. I have not been in a actual relationship because, uh, you know, the, I, I haven't felt the guidance of a higher power that said that those would be the appropriate person for me. So I think it's, uh, yeah, it's a lot of, it's a lot of work. <laughs> so, so with that, Lori, um, are you okay if I dig here a little bit in a personal manner? That's fine. Okay. So how frustrating is that for you um, that your um, dating relationships have been um, less than what the former you would have been satisfied with? Are, are you, do you find contentment in your dating life at this point? Or do you feel like there's emptiness because you are choosing to do what you call sober dating? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And to, to be like fully honest, yeah, I know a lot of, um, it, it had, it has been very difficult. It's been challenging. And I think what it's done is it keeps, it keeps me closer to the program because the big book tells me that acceptance is the answer to all my problems. And I, a few times people had said that to me and I would just rail against it. I was like, I don't accept it. Why, why do my qualifiers get married? And I'm, I'm doing all this work. And I, yeah. So to be fully honest, no, I did not always handle it gracefully. I, I think it's been very disappointing in a lot of, in a lot of ways. And yet I'm past the point. I mean, I'm so grateful for this too. This in itself is a huge miracle because I, I am in acceptance for today. For today, I have acceptance of my situation. I feel I, I continue to show up to dates. I continue to learn and grow from the experiences of these dates. I'm, I'm learning a tremendous deal about myself because I'm not, I'm not doing anything to distort my, um, you know, my, my truth and my perception. I'm not, I'm not getting, I'm not using people to get a hit <laughs> from them. I'm not, I'm not doing that. So I'm learning a lot about what dating feels like. And um, yeah, just like what it's like to actually connect with people in a more human way. So yeah, I'm, I'm more accepting. And, I, and but I yet that being said, I also I have hope as well, which I, I did. There was a point where I didn't have hope and I'm glad that that's, that's shifted. Awesome. So, and I guess one more spot in this kind of personal area. So in your dating life, do you feel the happy, joyous and free, or do you feel the restlessness, irritability and discontentedness that we read about in the big book? I could say as of late that I've been happy, joyous and free. I've, I've been really enjoying my life. And I have a very beautiful life. I have a lot of friendships. My life, my relationship with my family. Like, I mean, SLAA has helped 
I mean, who know? Who knew, right? Like I came in for a qualifier, I thought, and then like I, I've had a, a total healing with my family of origin, which is a miracle upon miracles. I have good relations with my employers. I have real friendships today. I have all of the recovery, I mean, beautiful recovery relationships. And um, and I have sponsee, like the work with others has been instrumental in this too. And again, I think another thing in the big book, you know, when we're having sex problems, throw ourselves more into helping others. And for me, that's that's been a, a big, 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 like, tool that's been so helpful too. the age of miracles is among us i mean i i think that there um is proof that uh massive bridges that have been out have been mended um and that your higher power is his hand its hand is involved in that and and it's a beautiful thing thank you for sharing your experience strength and hope and these miracles of your own life and showing me that yes, recovery um, is amazing, but it's not a perfect road paved with gold. There's 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 obstacles that need to be done. Do you have any final words of wisdom for us before we start closing this meeting out, Lori? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I mean, first of all, just thank you. Thank you for this beautiful service you're doing for the world. I think that's so amazing and fantastic. And just to, to any second suffering addict that there's, there's just hope there's hope. And no matter what you're going through, there's, there's help for it too. Like we don't have to do anything alone and yeah. And there's people open and willing to help. Thank you so much, Lori. That was a great RICO 12 weekly speaker meeting for all addicts. And for those wanting to learn more about addiction and the recovery therefrom. If we didn't get to your questions or if you have other questions, please go to rico12.com forward slash forum and join in our community and ask those questions and answer others' questions that will come up. I, inv- I invite the audience to come back next week. If you haven't yet gone to rico12.com and submitted your email address, um, get on that invitation list so you can join us live pretty much every Friday at noon central time. Um, and uh, Before we launch off in the serenity prayer, I just want to put one more thing out there to our listening audience. Um, I am, so Rico 12 is booked out through September with guest speakers. But if you are someone who, as you've listened to some of these stories, who has a story to tell, who has experienced strength and hope to share with people and would love to to participate, we would love to, to book those. And I'd love to have a conversation with you and see if it's something that would work out for a future Rico 12 speaker meeting. All right, now let's launch off into the rest of our day with the serenity prayer. And Lori has said that she would love to lead us in that. Go ahead, Lori. Yay. All right, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Amen. Keep coming back, everybody. It works when I work it. So work it. You are worth it.
time Reflecting on the landscape of this life of mine Peaks too high to conquer Streams too wide to cross Troughs too deep to walk through without incurring loss Yet here I am still standing tall Despite the rough terrain One like me survived the storms And walked through wind and rain Still standing, I will fight the good fight Still searching for glimmers of light Feet still on the ground I can still be found Standing still My wings are torn and tattered But I know I still can Bind it with the sea.